0: Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob
1: is speaking with Scott Curley.
0: 100% of opportunities will not be denied you 100% of the time. It's mathematically impossible. 100% of doors will not be closed 100% of the time. It's mathematically impossible. So when we wrap our mind around that mathematical fact, then we just start moving forward and start knocking, man, you know, and we're going to be we're going to we're going to have a lot of doors slammed in our face. We're going to have a lot of no's to be told no several times. That's OK. That just means we're getting that much closer to the yes. That's all that means.
1: Hi there and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show. My name is Bob Gentle and every week I speak to incredible people who share their secrets to building, marketing and monetizing your expertise, intentionally growing a unique personal brand and the mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. If you're new to the show, then while you have your device in your hand, just take a moment, deep breath, and subscribe. Whichever device you're listening on, just hit the subscribe button. And if you are a subscriber, then consider sharing the show with just one person. It's the very best way that you can help the show grow and help me reach more people. And if you're watching on YouTube, you're the best. And while you're feeling good about me, hit the subscribe button as well. And also consider a like, because YouTube likes, likes, more than i like likes so this week i'm really really excited to speak to scott Curley. scott is somebody that i have had on my calendar for a long time now and somebody who i really really admire probably more than a lot of the guests that i've had on the show because scott has every reason to not be successful and yet is probably one of the most successful commercially guests that i've had on the show isn't One of the traditional internet business types that we often have is a straightforward mainstream business that's killing it and really leaning into his personal brand and coming from a place where, again, every excuse to not be as successful as he is. So Scott, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Bob.
1: So there's a lot that I want to talk about today, and I've had to stop our pre- interview chat because we could have talked all day, done the whole interview before we even hit record. And that's never going to work. I've fallen into that trap a couple of times. So for the listener that's meeting you for the first time, can you maybe just start by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, what you do, and then we can get into the good stuff.
0: Sure. So my name is Scott Allen Curley. I am um, the CEO of a company called Finish Line Tax Solutions. We are a full service nationwide, fully accredited tax resolutions firm. We help people all over the country who are having problems with the IRS, such as wage garnishments, bank levies, stuff like that. So if you ha- for folks who have those problems, we help people get through those situations to keep them from becoming a crisis. Beyond that, I'm also an author of the book, Absolution, The Dark Path to Light, which is basically a, an autobiography that chronicles my life's journey which we'll discuss a little bit here shortly from adoption to and abuse drug addiction over 20 years of drug addiction 10 years in prison homelessness and despite all of that finding my way into this chair right now which is being the CEO of the fourth largest tax resolutions firm in the country and one of the fastest growing companies in the country according to Inc magazine we just we made the Inc 5000 list last year so that's a that's a short snippet of where I am and who I am right now.
1: It is a, fan, a fascinating story. I think a lot of people are accustomed to assuming that there's a recipe for what makes success and what makes failure. And yeah. a lot of people who had been through your early years would probably have self categorized as okay, I'm I'm done now. I I probably need to. I don't know if you've ever experienced this with the people that you meet, but there's almost like a success thermostat in people that Mm -hmm. once your success thermostat is set at 50 degrees, you'll never really rise above that. And very Mm -hmm. occasionally you meet somebody who manages to reset their thermostat and it's very rare. Mm -hmm. Most people in your position would have set their thermostats quite low and then Mm -hmm. stayed at that point. And whenever I meet somebody like you where that thermostat's been reset, they managed to break through it. I'm always curious, what happened there? How did you manage to overcome what to many people would have seemed like a recipe for failure and move past it?
0: So the first thing I'd like to touch on is the definition of success. You mentioned success. My definition of success has nothing to do with financial gain nor loss. My definition of success is directly related to how many people I'm able to touch in a positive way. In my opinion, some of the most successful people who ever walked this earth were also some of the poorest people who ever walked this earth. Gandhi, Muhammad, Jesus Christ, Martin Luther King. These people didn't have money, but they had such vast influence and they were they touched so many people in positive ways. And I don't think there's anyone that could argue that they were not successful just because they had no money. So I just wanted to clarify that first, so that your listeners and viewers don't think that I view success with the with the fact that I've made money and I'm you know quote unquote millionaire now. That's that is absolutely not my definition or my nor my gauge for determining whether or not I'm successful. Yeah. So with that, I'll segue if it's okay with you. I'll segue into the other part of your your question, which was. How was I able to get here? I think in in kind of paraphrasing what you asked, despite all of the circumstances and challenges self-imposed mostly in my life. And the answer to that is that I just refuse to take a victim stance. I just absolutely refuse to do that. Not to say that I haven't been victimized at times. I've also victimized others at times. There's a huge difference between being victimized and being a victim. Being a victim is a mindset. Being victimized is a, is, a, is simply a, a condition or, or an act that occurred in which we were on the receiving end of, of, of something bad. So yes, although I have been a victim of many things, most of which were my own poor choices, I have just absolutely refused to take a victim stance. I'm a firm believer in owning and taking accountability and owning the shortcomings. You talked about failure. I don't use the word failure very often. And the reason for that is because Muhammad Ali said it best. Just because you get knocked down does not mean that you lose. You only lose if you stay down. So that's huge to me. So I believe in taking accountability and being accountable for my behaviors and for my shortcomings. I will not consider a shortcoming a failure unless I stop trying. So with that said, I think you' it's important for the listeners and viewers to understand that even if you've made mistakes and you've made poor choices, just because you make a mistake does not mean that you are a mistake. That's hugely important. You know, our world will try to convince us that we are one that our mistakes and us as a person are one and the same. and that's just not true. That's just not true we make mistakes but we are not a mistake and when we really i feel once i learned that that freed me and gave me the confidence and belief in myself that i can achieve great things for years bob i was i was just i was raised in a way that that conditioned me to believe that i was defined by my actions and by the way i performed and the way i looked and everything extraneous but i had very little reinforcement into building who I am as a person if you your readers decide or I'm sorry if your viewers and listeners decide to read the book they will find that that was a struggle that I carried for decades and I believed that I was a failure I believed that I was a failure and however once I was taught that we make mistakes and we're not mistakes then I started understanding myself better and believing in myself more. And that just kind of is what I carried and what created or helped me build the mindset that I have today, that I'm going to make mistakes, I'm going to view them as opportunities, and I'm going to grow and learn and move forward. I'm not going to lay down and become a victim of a shortcoming. Because if I do that, then the shortcoming is no longer a shortcoming, it's a failure.
1: So one of the things that I notice a lot, and I think is when we experience extreme examples like yours it puts what i'm going to call the ordinary and inverted commas into sharp focus there are lots of people who are maybe in middle age for example and they haven't achieved what they maybe wished they had and they can think well i'm done now i think i i've just they settle right and when i look at what you overcame and then went on to achieve how does that make you feel when you look back and you see people who have all the same potential but they settle
0: it makes me so sad it makes me so sad and frustrated and irritated quite frankly quite frankly because you know we choose we choose our path and a lot of people get caught up in paralysis of fear and thinking you have to have it all figured out. So many people have such great visions and dreams and and ideas, but so oftentimes they believe that they have to have it all figured out now before they can even take the first step. And I'm here to tell anyone, you don't have to have it figured out, man. You don't have to have it all figured out. You're going to make mistakes, embrace the mistakes, Learn from the, the mistakes, move forward, and be proud of yourself that you that you made that you uh, that you made it past that mistake, and be ready for the next one. <laughs> you know, because they will never stop.
1: Yeah, you just described me until my mid forties. I think I I was one for if I didn't have the unified theory of everything, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to move. Oh, and wow. then suddenly one day realized you can't course correct if you're not moving.
0: You know what that's called? I call that analysis paralysis.
1: (laughs) Yes. I've heard this before and that was me. And I think you're absolutely right. The irritation for people with, with people who settle, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a them problem. It's a me problem, but you see so much untapped potential in the world. People who have the spark of genius,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. don't do anything with it. For all the reasons you just described, they don't have the complete picture yeah and trusting that if you start moving, the world will rise up to meet you. Mm-hmm. Once you start moving, you realize how true that is. and you meet fellow travelers who will support mm-hmm. and assist you. You don't see them when you're not moving. As soon as you start moving, you start seeing the other people who are moving and everything starts working. It's right. it's a weak analogy on my part, but it's something yeah. that I've felt to be real
0: and it, it is real. So many folks, again, will kind of stop because they don't think they have, they, they have all the answers and don't have it figured out, quote unquote. So many opportunities are available to the point and to the extreme that everybody is guaranteed success if they do just one thing. And I literally mean that and I will stand on that. One hundred success is guaranteed because of this. of opportunities will not be denied you 100% of the time, it's mathematically impossible. 100% of doors will not be closed 100% of the time. It's mathematically impossible. So when we wrap our mind around that mathematical fact, then we just start moving forward and start knocking man you know, and we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of doors slammed in our face. We're going to have a lot of nos to be told no several times. That's okay. That just means we're getting that much closer to the yes. That's all that means. And, but the mistake that so many of us make, and I've made it, I made it for years, is that we stop before we get to our yes. And that yes can look and look so different to different people, but the yes is there. It's there for everyone. We just have to have the tenacity and the resilience to keep pushing forward until we find it.
1: I think this brings us very neatly to one of the concepts that comes up again and again in your work, which is obstacles. Yeah. A lot of people feel that they they hit a point that they can't move past. Mm-hmm. And I know you have a perspective on this, so I'm not going to share it. I'm going to let you maybe speak to obstacles. What's your perspective on this?
0: Obstacles are a wonderful thing. Obstacles, we need more obstacles. We need more obstacles. Because the more obstacles we have, the stronger we become and the better world we create. It would be a poor place to live in today if we weren't faced with obstacles. The problem that I think a lot of folks face is that they confuse an obstacle with a barrier. A barrier is something that you cannot penetrate, you cannot get around it, and you cannot get through it, nor can you get over it. That's a barrier. And there are a few barriers in the world, one of which is just to you know kind of give some examples when I was in prison that was a barrier I was not going to get out of prison no matter what I try to do unless they until they decided to let me out so that was a barrier it wasn't an obstacle if i'd if I had viewed it as an obstacle I would have tried to escape so that's not an option but it was a barrier that was a true barrier uh, now an obstacle on the other hand is a challenge that keeps you from getting from point a to b, point b but they is a way around it. There is a way over it, there may be a way through it. But what happens in so many cases that folks will confuse an obstacle and think that it's a barrier. An example, I have several felonies that I acquired in the 80s and 90s for auto theft and, you know, petty type stuff, but they were felonies. And here in Texas, especially in Texas, conservative as our great state is, There are a lot of things that that prevents me from being able to do. I can't get most state licenses. I can't carry a gun by state law. I can't work in certain industries. So that could be perceived as a barrier. I, however, perceive those as obstacles. Since I can't work for a company that requires me to have a law degree or CPA degree, I chose to build my own company and hire attorneys that could. So that's an example. Since you will not hire me, then I'll build my own company and I'll be the boss. I will do the hiring at that point. So that's one example. I mean, we could go on and on. The message here is that most perceived barriers are truly just obstacles. Most perceived barriers are truly just obstacles.
1: And actually, that most people perceive them as barriers is actually one of your greatest opportunities. 100%.
0: Absolutely. Some of the biggest challenges that we face in life are what segues us into the greatest part of our life. I'll give you a perfect example of that, if you don't mind. I was rendered homeless in 2016. I was rendered homeless. I won't go into the details of that if your listeners or viewers want to Learn about that more, then you can go to read, read the book, Absolution, Dark Path to Light. But yeah, the perfect storm developed in 2016 when I was 49 years old. And I literally was on the streets homeless for almost two months. And when I say homeless, I mean literally homeless, like on park benches and trying to sneak into warm places and actually stole food out of Walmart a few times just to have something to eat. I mean, truly homeless. And during that time is when I connected, reconnected with one of my old friends who is now my business partner because he was going through a tough situation. And so to kind of give each other support morally, because he didn't have any money to help me with, he was almost in as bad a situation as I was. But because but we came today together and we started morally supporting each other and kind of reminiscing on what our strengths were and how we grew up together because we were the two guys that grew up together. We were both extremely talented athletically And when we were kids, our friends would never let us be on the same team because they knew when he and I were on the same team, we would always win. So we were never able to be on the same team. However, we came together in 2016 and Brian, his name is Brian Gordon. He was able to to put together $2,000. And he said, man, I know it's not much, but I know what we're capable of. We never lose when we're together. So if you think we can take this $2,000 and start a company, and my answer to him was, Brian, if it can be done, I have no doubt that we can do it. I, and, and, I, and so we took that $2,000 while I was still homeless, by the way, and we turned, we turned that into a million dollars. We did a million dollars in sales our first year, and now we've done over $40 million over the past six years from an initial $2,000 investment. The point in that is that that was perceived as the, one, of, one of the worst situations that I'd ever been in, literally homeless. But had I not been in that moment at that time, then I may not be sitting here today.
1: What's interesting listening to that is lots of people can get into a bad situation. Lots of people could have got to the point where you got the money together to try and do something. But turning it into a million dollars in a year, something happened there. And what's interesting, because I work with people who need to sell all the time. And what I often find is, They know a lot, Mm -hmm. but they struggle to, for want of a better word, do the work. Sales is a very straightforward process. You need lots of conversations. Some of those conversations will turn into sales conversations and a proportion of those conversations will turn into customers. That's right. But it's work. I guess what I'm trying to get to is this whole idea of commitment. Yes. And what processes can you put around your own inner life in order to Find commitment easier because I know people struggle with this.
0: Okay, that's a, I'm so glad you asked that question. That uh, I, that's actually one of the one of my mantras on identifying and and uh, defining true commitment, and it's very misunderstood. I don't believe in just commitment because commitment, people who say they commit, quote unquote, including myself and maybe you and probably all of us, that when we hit a shortcoming, we may stop and give up. For example, I want to use a hypothetical example, want to lose 20 pounds and I'm on the track and I've lost three pounds. I've lost five pounds. I've lost six. I'm excited, but I have a weekend at a party and I indulge and I gain back two pounds. Now, I'm, uh, but however, I've committed to losing 20 pounds, but now I've, set, I've, I've gained back two and now I'm depressed and I start eating potato chips and I'm sitting on the couch. I'm just like, screw it. Well, I haven't committed. When order, I thought I committed, but I didn't. What is important is that we commit to our commitment. Now that's the difference. Once we commit to our commitment, then we give ourselves permission to accept the mistakes and the shortcomings and expect them to occur. No one is perfect. No matter how strong or able or capable we are, there are going to be moments that we just fall short and that's okay. It doesn't mean that we haven't succeeded or that we're not on the path of success. That means we're on the path of life, you know? So when that happens, we, we first of all, we acknowledge it as a shortcoming and not as a failure. It's only a failure if you stop trying. We acknowledge, we acknowledge that as a shortcoming or as a possible mistake. We look at it, we, we analyze it. Most importantly, we own it, and then we move forward on our path to, to achieving our goals. So once we commit to our commitment, Bob, the rest are just details. The rest is literally just details. I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying that you won't face those challenges, but you view the challenges or the mistakes as learning opportunities. You move forward, you move around it, and you move on.
1: How do you protect yourself from overcommitting? And what I mean by this is anybody who's very self-aware knows that there is a multitude of shortcomings uh, ranging the whole spectrum of our existence from personal hygiene through to personal finance through yes. to not willing to do the hard work to say, to sell through to maybe not vacuuming as often as you should. Mm-hmm. If you're a fairly neurotic person, shortcomings are what you see all the time. So how do you decide which areas of your life to make commitments in and which areas to just, you know what, I'm going to let, I'm going to be okay with that in order that you don't overcommit. If you see what I mean?
0: Mm. Well, the way I see that is, um, this may have to be cut out of it, I have to think about that. That's such, a good That's such a good question. That I embrace the struggles. I personally embrace the obstacles. It's no fun if you start your, your journey out and your path to your destination has no barriers, or I mean, I'm sorry, it has no obstacles. It's just a straight race. That's, what, where's the fun in that? Where's the challenge in that? You know, for me personally, I want the obstacles. I want to be able to climb over some mountains and go through some ca- some caverns and, and some valleys in order to reach my destination because now I have something to be proud of. That's kind of the difference between daddy handing me a million dollars or me and me going out and earning a million dollars. So that's how I see that. Now to your question, their commitment I'm not sure if it's necessary to incorporate that mindset into every aspect of our lives. Hmm. There are some times I think it's very important to commit to not being committed. (laughs) For example, you know, this today, I need a breather. I'm going to commit to not being committed. (laughs) I'm going to sit back and watch, not watch Netflix, and I'm going to eat popcorn, and I'm going to indulge, and I'm going to enjoy it and not apologize for it. And even that's a commitment. That's just a commitment to not commit. But be sure to be careful with that mindset and not get caught in that mindset. But it's okay to give yourself a breather sometimes.
1: An image that popped up for me. So first off, there's a book called The Obstacle is the Way, which I will admit I haven't read. But it popped into my head. The idea there being that the only way to growth is through obstacles. That's true. But the other image that popped into my head is this idea of the hero's journey Mm -hmm. that the whole point of the hero's journey is to grow whilst you're on a quest Mm -hmm. and you have to fight dragons. You have to save damsels. You have to engage in all these little quests from time to time. There are side quests, but the whole point of the quest is not it's completion, but it's who you become as part of that journey. Right. And a lot of the time when you study ideas of the hero's journey, or you look at any of these myths or legends that incorporate it, the end is the beginning, which is really yeah. interesting. Yes, there is yes. no final goal. There is no final destination.
0: There, there's 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 there never is. And there never should be in my opinion.
1: Yeah. But um, the, the purpose of life to my mind is the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. It is the obstacles. It is the tenacity. It is the commitment because that's what leads to growth, which to my mind is what we're here for whether that's in business or as a person, probably both.
0: That's right. That's right. And along with that, we're all in a pressure cooker, so to speak. And I think it's very important for us to give our permission, ourselves permission to sometimes just feel the moment, even if it's not the most comfortable place to be. I am a firm believer that there are times that I need to just feel sorry for myself. I just, I have to go through that emotion because If I don't give myself permission to feel that way and go through that emotion, it may come out sideways unhealthily in other ways. So that is important. However, when we have our quote unquote pity parties, if we hit a shortcoming that really hurts us or puts us in an uncomfortable mental state, then I think we should give ourselves permission to, to, to mourn and have a pity party. But we have to put a time limit on it. Yeah. we can't extend it indefinitely. I'm going to get I hit a t- tough spot. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm going to spend the next two days just being frustrated and I'm going to be sad. and I'm going to feel sorry for myself and I'm going to cry. But at midnight Sunday night, I'm done with it. It's time to move forward. And I think when we do that, we kind of get the we, we get the best of both worlds. We get to wallow in our pity. You know it's okay to feel sorry for yourself Civil War and 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 curl up in a ball and get people to to rub our head. You know, but after that, man, we got to go get it. <laughs> after it's over, it's over. But we got to enjoy that for a moment, and I think it actually will give us a little strength and kind of like fuel. Okay, I got what I needed. I felt sorry for myself. Now let's go conquer the world again.
1: I think as well, if you don't address your shortcomings or your your down days, they they linger. They they hang around like a bad smell. If right. you properly honor them and say, okay, this is, this is what happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to allow myself to be there. Then yes. you can move on. It's like any kind of grieving process. If you don't address it, it, it hangs around for a long time.
0: Right. And it can come out and it will come out. I call that coming out sideways. It'll come out in other forms that mm-hmm. are typically unhealthy for yourself, myself and for others around us. You know.
1: So I hope anybody listening, understands why we're talking about these things because they are universal to the process of endeavor. I think if you're trying to move your life forward, you're going to experience adversity. It's just, it's an, it's part of the, part for the course.
0: And we should look forward to it.
1: You have to embrace it, but yeah. understanding that it isn't, it isn't the main event mm-hmm. is so important. And that when things don't go well, they don't go your way, it's not a you problem it's just part of the process
0: that's right can i give a quick brief example of how what's going on with me right now that without i can't go into detail but right now we are facing a challenge that that i mean my company finish line we're having to make a decision of whether or not we are going to sever ties with a very long term partnership that we have and and that partnership has a lot to do with how we've been able to progress and grow. And I am very strongly considering severing ties with this very valuable and important partner that we've had for years. I'm excited about that uh, severing that partnership, although that partnership has been sort of our lifeline. However, I'm seeing it not as a loss, but as an opportunity. Because once that happens, that is going to open doors and opportunities to, for us to grow even more aggressively and to help even more people. So there are some times that it's important for us to recognize and realize that, that there are going to be uh, relationships and opportunities that are going to have an end date. But just because one opportunity has an end date doesn't mean that the journey ends. It just means you're, if you transition into a different phase, which will which can and will, if you have the proper mindset, take you even further.
1: So we've mentioned the book a few times. I think it's worth addressing it directly a little bit. What was the catalyst for you deciding, okay, I want to write this book. And I guess the book is just going into being republished now. So it's been around for a little while. So I'm also interested to know what difference that book made in your life, both in terms of business, but also personally.
0: So I was asked for years, to write a book because the people who people who know me and are in my inner circle and know my journey and my struggles and my challenges and where i've been and where i am i've just heard so much you've got to write a book you've got to write a book people need to hear this i was very nervous and uneasy about writing this book because it had to be authentic it had to be real it had to be raw otherwise it would have been a work of fiction and it would not have served any purpose but my concern was whether or not I was ready to expose myself on such a deep and raw and authentic level. I remember, Bob, I was mentioning that I grew up under behind a facade living this image because I wasn't comfortable with who I was. And now the book, in order for it to resonate and be authentic, required that I fully and absolutely expose myself. So for years, I knew that it was book material. I've always known, man, my life would be a, a crazy, wonderful story for folks to read. But I was just too nervous to expose myself until one day a friend of mine told me, Scott, you need to stop being selfish. You need to stop being selfish. Your story is so unorthodox and you've been through so much and you've done so many things to hurt yourself and you've been hurt by others so many times and here yet you still sit it, how dare you not share that to the world how dare you and, and he was kind of angry with me actually cuz he's the one that's been that was pushing me for a while to do this and he said you know, it's not even it's it's not even fair for you not to do this and so at that point it really gave me a gut check and i that's where i decided you know it's not about me it's about me doing my part to help other people because here i sit so I'm 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 in a good spot. So who am I to not help other people get there? And what better way to do that than to share my journey? And so that's that's what made me do this. It wasn't about money. I spent a lot of money writing it, a lot of effort, a lot of time, and I hadn't really made any money on it. I mean, I'm not. That's not. Real. If it happens, great. But I am. It, it is impacting people. I'm getting that. If you go online, you'll see the outrageously amazing reviews that it's getting from people who just didn't expect to get that reading experience, and that is. Proof to me that I did the right thing and that it's, that it's meaningful It's and it's serving its purpose.
1: Author and authority, they go hand in hand together. Yes. Once yeah. you've written a book, you become the authority in, in that space or an authority. And I'm mm-hmm. curious what kind of impact that authority has had in other aspects of your life and business.
0: One thing that it's done, and we have to be very careful with authority. There are a lot of folks with authority that don't need to have it you know, which sort of segues into the importance of humility. I'm, I'm not overly impressed with myself, meaning that I am very aware of my own reality and my own truth. I've been in some very dark places. I've been to prison. I've been homeless. And I fully understand how it feels to be in those situations. I'm also the same person who's sitting in front of you now, who is the CEO of a quote, unquote, successful national litigation firm, wealthy, have and have all these wonderful things that people aspire to, quote, unquote, materially. However, at the end of the day, I am still the same person. And I do not believe that anyone should be judged based from the outside in. We should be judged from the inside out. And so I said that because it's so important to getting back to the authority and where that weaves into this, the more authority that we carry, the more humble we have to remain. No question about it. So many people, and I see it especially with being a CEO and my peers when I go to conferences, I see so many egos, egos rather, so many folks who are so entitled and o- overly impressed with themselves. And the reason that is, there's two reasons. One, they're probably insecure, but equally as important, uh, equally as probable rather, is that they are finding themselves from the outside in. I am a CEO, I have the CEO title, therefore I am a CEO, therefore I'm above everyone. And they carry themselves as that. And that is very unfortunate in my opinion. And it's a bit disgusting at the same time. With my, I'll add one other thing. The way I think what's helping me a lot with reaching people is that I am very, I feel very, very humble and I'm very approachable. And my dad used to say all the time that, you know, (laughs) I, I, the the president of the United States puts his pants on one leg at a time. And, and that's the same that's the same here. And we should never, ever get overly impressed with ourselves just because we've reached a certain level of quote unquote success.
1: I think that's a great answer. I actually resonate really strongly. A lot of people will write a book in order to achieve authority. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a smaller number of people write a book in order to release authority. And oh, I think wow. That's really well, I'm stealing what... that. Yeah, you can have that. I'm
0: still in that. I love that. <laughs> I love as an that.
1: as an expression of authority rather than as a, as a as a as an authority play.
0: Yeah, you can't demand respect, but you can command respect. Yeah. There's a lot of folks who try to demand respect. I'm the CEO. I'm walking in the room. Sit up, uh, respect me. That's not how it works. Mm. You don't you you don't demand it. You can't force someone to Uh, recognize your authority or nor respect you, but you can command it. And the way you command it is simply by remaining humble, by treating people fairly and respectfully and kindly. At that point, you're not forcing someone to respect you. They have no choice but respect you because they see how much you respect them. And by respecting others, you're really showing how much you respect yourself.
1: And a lot of the time, and I think this is a great place to kind of bring to conclusion, you respect other people by serving them. And I think this is one of the things I also love about your work is you don't, you don't need a speaking career. You don't need mentoring. You don't need a book. Scott Curley doesn't need any of that stuff. And it's not about you. It's about what you can put into the world. It's about impact. And I love that.
0: Thank you, sir. There's a, there's a saying that I did not coin. I won't take, take credit for it, but it resonates with me. It's a saying that goes, you can only keep what you have by giving it away. And and that's where I'm at right now.
1: And that's a fantastic place to bring things to an end. Scott, I need to ask you the same question I ask every guest. And it's, what's one thing you do now that you wish you started five years ago?
0: Could you repeat that one more time? What is
1: one thing you do now that you wish you started five years ago?
0: I wish I'd shared my story earlier because now, you know, we're all on, we all have an end date, (laughs) you know, and and I'm getting older and I feel like I could have helped people so much more, so many more people had I shared, had I had the courage to share my story earlier.
1: That is a great answer. And if people want to go deeper with you, if they want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that?
0: Well, they can they can reach out to me. They can go to Scott That's Allen with an E, scottallencurley and that will pretty much that's my life exposed there. Uh, and uh, I'm very accessible, so I'm not overly impressed with myself, like I said. So there's an op- there's a link on there or tab where you can reach out and send a message. And you know, if your your viewers or are, are, are listeners just have a question or just want to chat, shoot me a shoot me a, a message and, and we'll chat.
1: I will put a link to all of that in the show notes. Scott Carley, you have been great fun. I've really enjoyed this.
0: Thank you. I have too.
1: Hope I get a chance to speak to you again sometime. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir.